now, Brandon Thick Boy Shop. I think last time I spoke to you was in person. You came on Food Truck Diaries. Yeah. And you, did, you didn't do the commentating gig yet. And I was vying for it. I'm like, we got to get going here. UFC, what are we doing? And they That's listened. Right. I like to take credit for it, but I had nothing to do with it. If anything, I'd probably hurt your career. But no, I get think, you now. I think... I think you were the straw that broke the camel's back. I really do. Yeah. I think they saw that, that food truck diaries, and they they saw my desire. They yes. saw your approval, your stamp yes. of approval, and were like, obviously. Yeah, Dana was like, shop gave her the green light. All right, let's get her on. Put her in. Put her in. Sign pick her up. Um <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's like it's like, you know, you're just you're just doing the damn thing. You know, yeah, and I think and most people expected this, but it has to feel good, right? To get that validation. And you're, and I see you being involved in even more cards. Obviously, the contender series, the Dana White contender series you're doing, and that's kind of where you get your start with the UFC. But so that's expected, and that shows big. But now you're involved even in the Ultimate Fighter, the post show, which mm -hmm. uh, we're fans of here. And I'll, I'll start there with it, with the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah. Um, uh, were you a fan of Ultimate Fighter before doing this post show? I mean, obviously you're in the business, but were you like a diehard fan of Ultimate Fighter? I was a diehard fan of the Ultimate Fighter in the beginning. Yes. Like early days me of the too. Ultimate Fighter. It's big. It's a big part of the reason. Between that and Pride, that's what got me into MMA. Same, same. Same, same. However, exact same. however there was definitely a lull in my interest uh, over... I would say the most recent, you know. And I think that's fair to say. I think even Dana would be like, yeah, it was a bad product. Like, it just, it was tough, you know? And when they went yeah. behind the paywall. It was tough. It in was, fact, it was tough. Yeah, it, legit tough. Like, T-O-U-G-H tough, not T-U-F tough. <laughs> that show is tough to watch. And stars weren't <laughs> stars weren't coming out of it. Yeah. Um, and then now, it kind of piqued my interest and obviously the general fans' interest because you have Connor involved. Um it's weird because I, I want to love, right? It gave me, it was my ticket to the chocolate factory, like Ultimate Fighter. I'm an alumni. It's dear to my heart. Yeah. I'm a finalist on there. It gave me everything I have in my life now. So I ride and die for the UFC. I bleed UFC. I bleed Ultimate Fighter. And I was so excited to watch it. And I don't, you ever like have a favorite movie, like when you're a kid and then you yeah. go back and watch, you, you tell like your friend or your girlfriend, whatever, you're like, you got to see this movie. It's so good. And you're like, oh, it doesn't hold up. And yep. that's, it's not that the ultimate fighter is a bad product. It's very well done, but it, 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 I'm starting to think it's like, Oh, does this, does this kind of the way it's organized, the way it's going down, like has, has, have we moved on from this? You know, is it that, or I, it, it was missing something. Now the second episode got me kind of back into, it. I thought the second one was mm -hmm. better. I don't know what it is. If the format just doesn't work on regular TV now, I don't know what it is. But it, listen, I'm a degenerate. I'll watch it all. Yeah, you know, I think um, your, your analogy is perfect. It really hits home because I'm in the this phase of trying to introduce my son to like movies from the 80s and 90s that I really thought were amazing, yeah. but that are still and they're adult, but like like still okay for a, a kid his age to watch. Kindergarten Cop, for instance. Oh, great! Movie. In my mind, this is like Oscar-worthy yeah. acting. It's not a tumor. Yeah, hell yeah, I love that movie. It is. It is a good movie, but you realize how corny a lot of the '90s movies, in particular. Were. But I digress. Um, with in, ter in terms of tough, yeah, like I, I think the shininess of Connor being back and the fact that we know he's going to fight Chandler, 
we have a pretty good idea it's going to be it's on the horizon i think that alone has has uh has enticed me enough to find it interesting and i will tell you what i do like the format of prospects versus veterans that i actually i think they nailed that oh you and i are gonna me. disagree on this it's really? my, it's it's my biggest issue with the show now listen this is coming from a guy who is a prospect and had to fight a veteran and lost in the finale to a veteran when i yeah. signed up for that show the game the what i was told is it's guys who are I find other guys like me yes and yeah. then roy nelson there who you know i'm a fan of mixed martial arts i'm like well, he's he's a former world champion. I just saw him fight yeah. Ben Rothwell. I have three fights. What are we yeah. doing here? And then obviously I ended up fighting him in the finale. So maybe it's that with me, but also just get look at the way the fights are going down. Like I when know. I saw prospect veterans, I'm like, oh, that's a terrible idea. Because that atmosphere for a young prospect, it's it's a lot. For a veteran, it's like there's no fans. This, yeah. this, oh, this, there's not that much pressure. And then you see how the fights are going. These veterans are starching these young dudes. Yeah. Like last night's episode, I'm like, oh, that kid's screwed. That poor kid. That they're, they're, they're just getting annihilated. I know. First, you get run through by a 17 year old, and then, you know. Yeah. Like it's a tough yeah. go, man. And these veterans. But here's why, here's why I like it. Here's why I like it. Because, and I think it's maybe just, you know, your perspective is unique to your experience. I think I have a real soft spot for the guys who, it's like they were so they were so close or they were there and they were just so close to like really hitting their stride in the UFC. And for whatever reason, it didn't pan out. I, I love the underdog. I think that's what I what I like about it. But well, then, let me ask you this, you know, put your marketing hat on take out your love for the ultimate fighter. Take out you, yeah. how you work for the UFC. Let's say we're in a marketing meeting. There's nothing left, Brandon. If I take yeah, I know. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. But so if you're in a Hollywood meeting room and yeah. and they're in the Dana White's in there and Dana doesn't know you, there's no relationship. And if they brought that to me, I'd say, hold on, you're telling me these guys have already fought in the UFC? And they go, correct. And I go, and it didn't go well for them? They go, no. Okay, so then they're going to fight easier competition, probably do well because they're more experienced. The chance of a veteran winning the show is pretty high. So yeah. if that veteran wins and he's already failed in the UFC, what's the plan with him? You're telling me he's going to compete with the top 15? Who do we get? We give him more prospects to take out? Like, what do we do with the guy? Yeah. What, like, what I do you do? Like, they're not going to compete with these top dogs. On the flip side of that, you know, if, if you look at it through the other side of that exact same lens, you know, you've got a lot of guys coming off of Contender Series in particular, where on that show, you only have to have one matchup to make it into the UFC. And you might get a really favorable matchup or you might get a really unfavorable matchup. It's really kind of, I don't know, it's a rule of the dice on that show much more so than it is for the ultimate fighter because you've got a little bit longer to sort of prove yourself, build your brand, all that type of stuff. So while on one hand, you're like, okay, but he already proved that it's it's not going to pan out. Yeah. For the prospects, how are they going to pan out if they can't get through this series of veterans? If they can't get through these guys, then how are they going to fare in the UFC? So it kind of, it, to me, it works, it works both ways. And regardless, the cream's going to rise to the, to the top, I think, whether it's a vet or whether it's a prospect. But I do agree with you that there's an inherent advantage for the vets. Now, we don't know yet what we have in terms of prospects. You know, this, uh, the guy that Connor keeps talking about, Lee. True. We may have some real superstars we just haven't seen yet. That's who a fair will, point. 
There might be some prospect who can just annihilate these veterans. And Dana's like, shut your mouth. That's why we did this. But then also when, when Connor picked, uh, you know, the, the, uh, kind of the prospects because his one guy's on the team, Mm -hmm. it's like, God, that was a mistake. And then also can, can we blend them? Does it, does it have to be all prospects, all veterans? Like, couldn't we blend it? So it's more favorable because I mean, Connor might have that one guy and yeah, he might do his thing, but the rest, you know, it's gonna be tough on the rest of the guys. Yeah. I don't know. That's, I mean, again, I like the show and, you know, but it does seem like Chandler, you know, made the smart pick. I feel like Chandler, he's a little more invested in it as far as like, you see the coaching. Um, he kind of zoned out when the guy was sharing his adoption story, whatever. I love Chandler. He did not. Yeah, he did. That kid was like, <laughs> that kid was like, <laughs> that kid was like, Hey, and you can see it was a kind of set up. He's like, they're like leaving practice. You know, Chandler has two adopted kids. He's like, hey, man, I was adopted. And Chandler's like, oh, cool. Where are you from? And he's all, what? Uh, Chicago? He's like, right on, man. God puts all sorts of families together. And I like, kept going. The kid's like, oh, I thought this was going to be like my story, man. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. Chandler knows I love him. But he was like, yeah, very cool. Uh, anyways, so you're adopted. No, but um, yeah, I just, and the other, the other caveat, and you know, I had Chandler on earlier. And he's like, yeah, we shot this in four weeks. Yes. And being all through my fire, I'm like, oh my God, that is yes. so fast. Yes. Aren't they normally like 12? Uh, I know they, they done a 12. Well, live was 12. Cause I was listening to Kiesa talk. Yes. The, live the, was 12. Mine was, uh, it, by the time you get to seven eight, weeks, I think they filmed eight, six, yeah. but you're there from six to eight weeks, but four is yeah. flying. Now for the guys yeah, making is. weight, you know, it probably helps in advantage because I guess they're fighting a little sooner so they can kind of control that weight. But man, f- flying in four weeks is nuts. And also as far as like the team vibe goes in four weeks, you know, guys are yeah. losing. It's, you know, so the whole team aspect of it, I don't know. But again, I do like it. Yeah, it's tough to it's tough to gel and then in that amount of time for sure. But I'm, you know, I think to some degree, if you're going to have Conor McGregor on a show, you're going to have to. You, you know, he can't live in Vegas for 13 weeks straight with his schedule. That's a fair point, too. I mean, he doesn't come to the weigh-ins. He hasn't been to weigh-in yet. Yeah, you know, and I meant to, I'm going to ask John about that next week when I, when we do our little uh, sit-down, our little react thing that we do. Um, because, I, you know, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's reasonings and I'm sure it has to do with how busy of an individual he is. And also, like, I think, I think one thing that you got to keep in mind, and I thought it was really interesting the way Connor came out the gate, not only with like getting his guys to spar right off of the bat, yeah. but like he himself stepping in there. Mm-hmm. A lot of the show for me is Connor, not just proving or not just showing that like, Oh, I can be a good coach and these are my guys, but like proving where he's at in terms of being ready to fight again. Agreed. That's a big part of it. I think that, well, that's why a lot of people are tuning in. Um, yeah. I do think, and did you watch the Connor doc? Do you like documentary? I did. Yeah, I did. Still waiting for my check from being featured in that. Whatever. But um, Connor, that doc. What? And I'm a, a bit the biggest Connor fan. Like me and Casey, my producer, we love Connor. Like he's one of the reasons you know my show popped when it did. I'm the biggest yeah. Connor fan. I worked the Connor fight for Showtime. That's how I got in with Showtime. So I owe a lot of my career to Connor. Huge Connor Dick Rider here. But want to be completely transparent. But. I think part of, you know, when you watch the documentary and I think even the ultimate fighter house, like he's just a special person. He yeah. just realized like, even when he went and visited the kids on last night's episode, you can just see like they're, they're just the, the energy in the room and he leaves and they're yeah. like, Oh my God, that guy is electric. He's just, yeah. he's something we've never seen before. And I think the doc did a, did a good job because remember that doc wasn't like a happy story. 
like, was not. It, it, like the first episode shows like he's come up and he's 14 and all that stuff. But the majority of that doc is, you know, I think he loses the three, it's his three biggest fights that he loses. So it's yeah. not like a happy thing, but I think the takeaway from that, which a, that documentary made me sad because I don't think we'll ever yeah. see another Conor McGregor. So I got really sad, but then also uh, B I think it made people realize like he's this outlier, like he's our Kobe Bryant. Like he has that mm -hmm. mom, Mamba mentality. Like he wants it so bad. He want, and like he works his ass off because it's like for my mom or my brother who aren't, you know, in the game, like we are, they just see the Connor antics and then they'll see his pay-per-view and he's like, Oh, this guy's crazy. It's like, no, 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 no. That craziness is what makes him special. I think mm -hmm. that's kind of coming over in the ultimate fighter. Yeah, no, I, the, the passion that he has for the sport is apparent because he did, the reality is he didn't need to do this show, you know, like, no. it's not like he needs a bigger profile. And it's certainly, even though I'm sure they condensed it partly for him, even four weeks, that's kind of a pain for him to not be able to do life the way that he wants to do it. Right. And show up and have all these obligations and, and media obligations. You got to be here and you got to film at this time. Like I, I'm sure that that's not his ideal way to spend his time, but the passion that he has for the sport and therefore the guys that are on the come up is evident to me. And I asked uh, John Kavanaugh, I said, you know, is that, is that magnetism that we see? Is that something that came along with the spotlight? And he said, no, no, no. He had that, the moment, the moment it was maybe a little bit different, but like, I think they met when, when Connor was 17 and he said he, he had that the day I met him, it's grown and it's matured and, and whatnot, but he's definitely an individual who's got, something that you can't buy and something that you can't train or, or something that you can't try for you either have it or you don't. I agree. And I, th I think uh, to your point too, before we start talking about tough, you're saying one of the kind of interesting things is we're all waiting for the announcement of Connor versus Chandler. And I can't wait. My only kind of hang up with that is Dana was in a press conference recently and goes, they're like, when's Connor and uh, Chandler going to fight? He goes, it's tough to wrangle these guys in, man. You know, like they have so much money. It's tough to get these guys yeah. in. And I was like, oh, oh, what do you mean? I thought you wrangled them in. What? Well, are we not getting this? You know, so it's like, are they dangling the camera? Like, no, he's going to fight. And then it doesn't happen. Because when I hear Dana say that, I'm like, what do you mean it's tough to wrangle them in? Now, part of me being such a big Connor fan goes, dope. He's set. Don't have to fight ever again. He's good for my business. He's just, I'd love to watch him fight. So I hope he fights. If he doesn't, that's a good thing. Like he's so financially set. He's made so many smart decisions. He's earned it right off of the sunset on your Lamborghini yacht. But yeah. it, this, this ultimate fighter is going to be sad if we don't get that fight. I think we will. I don't, Me I mean, I, I, I do. I, I, I think that we will. I think there's something about, and I can't even put my finger on what it is, but there's something about Connor that, he just, he's going to refuse to go out the way, you know, with a broken leg going out Agreed. of the octagon on a gurney. That's just not how he's going to leave the sport. So I, I have high hopes, you know, I have no insider knowledge about it, but I have, I have high hopes and, and what's, that's, uh, what I, that's what I'm, I'm clinging I'm to. I'm with you. Me too. I'm yeah, please fight. <laughs> um, and what your, your boy, uh, John Kavanaugh, who's Connor's head coach, how's, has he told you like his takeaway from, you know, being in the house, cause it's a lot on the coaches too. And him being the head yeah. coach, he does most of the work. Like Connor's yeah. there, but really John's designing the training program, putting the kids through it. He's coming up with the game plans. He's spent a little more time with them. You know, Connor's doing his thing, but it falls a lot on John. People don't realize how much work it is for the coaches. Yeah. A ton of work. And I, he actually asked to do it because I guess that he, 
of course, had the chance to do it last time Connor coached, but uh, he had so many obligations with other fighters that he he decided it wasn't he just couldn't dedicate that much time to being in the United States. You know, it's, it's different for those guys too to be not just away from their normal gym, but like out of the country yeah. completely. So um, he he made a point to do this season. He felt like it was kind of a bucket list thing for him. And, you know, I think his biggest takeaway is just how how passionate and how all in on this sport Connor is, despite having everything he could have ever dreamed of imagined and wanted. And, and he did say something I thought was interesting. He said, you know, I haven't really seen him in person tons because we, uh, we hadn't really yet started like fully ramping up training. So he said this, you know, when you see that scene of him sparring was one of the first times I'd seen him work out in quite a while. (laughs) And so I think I think part of that scene was like kind of proving to Coach Kavanaugh, like, hey, I'm 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 good. Like we're good yeah. to go. We're ready to hit the hit the ground running and you know get this camp going. Yeah, that's good. That's news. another reason why I feel really optimistic about a fight being on the horizon as well. Me too. It'd be a shame yeah. if it doesn't work out. And I doubt Connor would do that to the fan base, you know? Yeah. And and just get everybody excited and then just delay it. That's not usually his style. Now, this can be a tough question for you. Being obviously, you know, Dana White contender series close to your heart, your big, you know, reason that things is success. Now you're involved with Ultimate Fighter. If you're a manager of a fighter, young fighter, and you have an offer to do the next Ultimate Fighter, knowing how the ratings are going, right? You know, the ratings are, mm-hmm. they are what they are. You know, it's tough. So you have the Ultimate Fighter and then you have Dana White contender series. Where are you going? Where are you having your, you, uh, and your fighter's like, ah, I'm trying to decide. They said I can do either one. Which road do you yeah. send them down? I mean, I'm going to pick contender series every time Me personally, too. because I think the, I mean, you know, the ultimate fighter is a whole different animal. And if you're not, you're not geared mentally to deal with the, all of the extra pressure of being away from your family and your gym and cutting weight multiple times in a very short period of time. And, you know, getting to be good friends with your, with a guy. And then all of a sudden you're fighting. Like there are so many X factors in that show that make it, I think, even more difficult than contender series contender series is a fight and there's trust me there's pressure dana white sitting right there and there is kind of what i said earlier about like you got this one shot and this one matchup to make an impression but i i'm still gonna go contender series and i think that show more and more and more is really churning out top tier talent and they when you go on that show and you do big things like there's now a formula right like we see it every year now the guys that stand out every year get a huge push their UFC debuts. And if they do well there, you know, the Joe Pfeiffer's of the world. Yeah, it's you know, off to the races. It. Yeah. Yeah, off Agreed. to the races. Agree. And I, yeah, and, you know, I'm curious if because Connor's ratings are this, and they're not bad, don't get me wrong, they're not bad, but it's not gangbusters, but also there's just so much more content out than when, say, season 10, which is the biggest season of all time, not a big deal. But yeah. when season 10, it was just a different time. It was on Spike. There, weren't as, there wasn't as much competition. So I think the numbers are solid. I'm sure ESPN's happy with it. I'm curious if this, if we're going to get an announcement of the, you know, more Ultimate Fighters on ESPN, not ESPN Plus and, you know, Fight Pass, but actual ESPN. I'm wondering what, how ESPN feels about it. What? What year would have would season ten have been? What year was that? Oh, uh, that would have been two thousand eighteen. No, yeah, because no, I no, think no. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Earlier than I that, have I was CT. Think. Um, it that's literally five. I years shouldn't ago. laugh. I, no, you should. It's fine. It's not a joke. I actually. definitely <laughs> have it. No, um, that would have been two thousand thirteen. Yeah, so I think ten part of it ago? too is like just 
the cultural appetite for reality television in general has kind of Correct. changed. Um, so I don't, and I don't know that we're going to see that fully shift back. I, you know, I think it'd be cool to do something like the ultimate fighter, but maybe shake up the format a little bit. I have no idea what that looks like. Don't ask me if I have a good idea about that. Agree. But. Agree. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of ultimate fighter and I hope it just keeps doing great things. I hope to, for, to prove me wrong. I hope one of those, uh, prospects goes out and does some big things. Cause then yes. completely annihilates my argument. And, that, and then the UFC's like, yeah, Shab's are wrong again. So they might be right. 2009 was uh, Ultimate Fighter 10. I'm way off. Yeah. So peak, peak. Uh, yeah. That, though, peak dude, that was TV. like Paris Hilton on reality TV. Real yeah. world's popping. I'm on there. I, I think I like, to credit, I like to credit myself. I think it was the Kimbo Slice effect. He was <laughs> massive, massive back then. Uh, well, we can't let you leave without talking about UFC 289. It's going yeah. down on Saturday. Excited for it? I am excited for it. I think we've got the fight that we that we wanted to see in Amanda Nunes versus Irene Aldana. I mean, over the Pena, you're saying? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I mean, for me, for me personally, and I, I love, I really like the matchup in terms of. I think it's even though Amanda Nunes has way more ways to win on paper, she's, so I ways. would say, more dangerous in every aspect of the game. Irene Aldana has a particular style of boxing that Amanda has not hasn't had to deal with yet. Even when she faced Holly Holm, Holly Holm, one of the most decorated boxers ever, but the way that Holly fights in MMA different. Yeah. is yeah. totally different. Like she's a kickboxer. She floats on the outside. Irene Aldana is going to get right in your face with clean, straight shots, a nice, you know, super educated guard that she stays super safe with. And, you know, you watch the Pena fight, the first one, some of the stuff that Amanda struggled with was, even outside of all of the X factors that I think did contribute to that loss, some of the things that she struggled with was pressure and straight shots. And that's what you get when you get Irene Aldana, who also has phenomenal takedown defense. So it's although Irene doesn't have like this amazing undefeated record that we can like point at and get all frothy about. No, not at all. Skill set that I can definitely get excited about. She does. And on Monday when I did the shop show, I actually, I actually picked uh, Aldana and then as I sit on it, I do more research. I, I get to do this breakdown tomorrow for that show, for that fight. I don't know, man. Like you look at it and you're like, well, hold up. If it's Amanda Nunes that showed up against Pena too, there's yeah. no way in hell she's going to, how's she going to beat her? It's, t yeah. it's tough to find a route for her to win. And especially if Amanda Nunes where, you know, she, she mixed it up on Pena too, when she went to Southpaw, gave her a ton yes. of problems, her check hooks filthy. And we know Aldana struggles Southpaws. Well, Pena's, I mean, uh, uh, Amanda Nunes is pretty damn good at Southpaw. I was and just going to say, that's that good. You know, yeah. Aldana has the boxing advantage, but Amanda, man, she does everything well. There's a reason why she's the greatest of all time. I think we're all predicating this. Like when people are picking Aldana, there's also the Mexican factor, right? Mexicans are taking over the, what, three champs. We include the interim champ. Yeah. Um, so they're doing the damn thing. So I think it's the cool pick. And I actually re retract my pick because if Amanda shows up, that was the man who knew it was in the second fight. I don't see it. I just don't see it. And because we're all predicated on Amanda's over it. She doesn't want to do it anymore. She has, a, I think, a second baby or she have the second baby already. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, On the, the way in November, I think. There you go. So the baby's yeah. coming. So she's busy with that. You know, she's one foot in, one foot out. Yeah. If that Amanda shows up the first fight that when she fought Pena, yeah, she's probably going to lose. 
But man, you better pray to God if you're a fan of Aldina that uh, uh, that that does happen. Because if not, she's gonna get a, she's gonna have a long night in the office, and by long yeah, night, I, I mean the, a short night. The southpaw thing could be a real a real problem because we did see Aldana struggle a little bit with that, both with Macy Chasson and um, a few others. And I will say this: there's you know there are really not that many female fighters who are true switch dancers and do it fluidly, yes, and who are. Yes as offensively and defensively sound out of both stances. So it's not something that women deal with a lot in the training room or in fights. Mm -hmm. And so when you put someone with Amanda's skill set already, and then you add a new tool like that, I mean, that's, it's going to be, it's going to be an uphill battle. And it's funny that you say that because literally what you just said is, is kind of where I've been on it. I was very excited about Aldana at first. I'm like, oh, her pressure, her boxing, her yeah, power, her size, her athleticism. Like, there's lots to talk about. But then you go watch you go watch that Pandy 2 fight again. You're like, oh, I don't know. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's where I was. I picked her on Monday. And then again, yeah. I do this breakdown tomorrow. I'm watching tape. I'm like, oh, this is not a good matchup. If, 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 if it's the Amanda Nunes that wants this, she can do whatever she wants. You know, but you, yeah. gotta, you, gotta, you know, who knows what we're going to get. You, the, I'm excited for that fight. Don't get me wrong. But I think the most exciting fight in the card is Darius Charles Oliveira. 100%. 100%. And That's the fight. That fight saved the card. Let's be honest. It does. And it's the fight that should have happened a long time ago. It's probably the fight that should have had a belt involved with it. But I'll, I'm still happy Agreed. it's happening. I'll take it. Um, and I, yeah, what I, I'll, I'll get your, I want your take on this. I think it's really interesting that like not that long ago, we were when we were talking about Charles Charles Oliveira. We as analysts started using all these superlatives, like you know, one of the greatest lightweights of all time. You uh, you know, the best of this, the best of that. Of course, statistically, he is the best finisher, the best submissioner, all yep. that stuff. But I feel like that one loss <laughs> has really diminished his shine, and I don't understand why. Because like Gaethje loses to Habib. You don't really feel the same lack of shine with Gaethje. You're like, oh, it's still Gaethje. You lost to Habib. No big deal. But then you got Charles Rivera who loses to Islam. And it's like, ah, uh, but Izzy is really, I, and I no know. one's saying it. It's just a feeling I have. And I don't even know how to put my finger Me on it. Me neither. I was, I was saying this on my show on Monday. I don't know what it is. I, and I apologize to Charles Oliveira. I never pick him. He won like 10 to 11 fights. I picked against him every single time. This fight, picking against him, I went, I, I apologize. I don't know what it is. I have no clue why I do this to you. I like Brazilians. Some of my favorite people. I never pick this guy. I don't pick, I'm not picking him in this fight. And you look at the stats, and then for a while with Charles, because he's been doing it forever, he has so many fights. Remember, there were some fights where he quit. And I mm -hmm. maybe, again, maybe it's my own personal thing, but when a guy quits, I'm, I'm out. I'm out, yeah. but somehow he's one of the rare, rare exceptions where he did have that quit in him and he figured it out and that's no longer in there because he could have quit against Chandler. He could have yeah, quit exactly. against all these other guys and he finds a way to figure it out even then. And I see it. So I don't call him a quitter anymore. That's not nice, but I just, I pick against the guy and he's one of the greatest to ever do it. But again, Darius, I just, I look at that fight. I go, Hey, I, I, I think Darius deserves it. To, to get a top shot if he wins this for sure deserves it being a guy you know who was the reigning champ for so long 100%. if you were to get a finish you have to give him a title shot it's his ninth fight win in a row but with Darius I think where he's different is if you look at Charles Oliveira he will get hit he'll get hit mm -hmm. in the Chandler fight he gets hit and guys are scared to follow that up because they're scared of his jiu-jitsu Darius yeah. is not scared of his jiu-jitsu Darius 
you know, compete against Chrome Gracie and straight gi jiu-jitsu, like world champion jiu-jitsu player, phenomenal jiu-jitsu practitioner. He's not going to be scared to go down. There's nothing that Charles Oliveira offers down there that Douche hasn't seen before. So he'll follow it up and get the finish. And I and I could see him not only getting a finish via TKO, but I could see him uh, submitting him with like a rear naked down there or something. 100%. And it's also that the threat of the uh, submission game is also what has made Charles's striking game so Correct. dangerous as of late, you know, because any any threat of a takedown, any threat of a back take, any threat of a, a snap down, grab the neck, guys are always having to think about that other thing. Yeah. And, you know, Benil Darius just isn't going to have to do that. And I'll, I mean, I'm not the only one saying this. I, I think Benil Darius has a better grappling game or MMA than Charles Oliveira does, which I realize sounds ridiculous. It doesn't. You're hundred percent. You're hundred percent on the ball with that. He has, a, yeah. he has a better grappling game for the for mixed martial arts, and it's also his fundamentals. I think are better now. Who's yeah. more dangerous? Probably Charles exactly. Oliveira. As far as like in transition with the Darces mm -hmm. and the guillotines, and you know the He's arm very bars. opportunistic. Correct. But yeah. as far when it comes down to like the fundamentals and like the 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 technical aspect of it, Darius all day. I just trained Darius. He's a, he's a nightmare. Monster. Yeah. Monster. So, yeah, I, I'm picking Darius, and I apologize Charles Oliveira. I picked the, this 11th fight, 10 years in a row. I pick against the guy. I don't know why. Couldn't tell you why. Did Benil ever uh, fold you up? No, no, no. Don't get crazy. Don't get, come on. Come oh, on. Come now. on. Come on. Come on. I'm, I'm 400 pounds. Come on now. I know. <laughs> I know. No, it's rare we <laughs> roll, to, uh, roll together. We're at uh, Black House together, but just the yeah. nicest guy. Like he's I for know. sure getting to heaven before me, you know, like he's so close with Jesus Christ. I don't think it works like that. Well, that's, that's what I tell Wait, myself. If, if you're Catholic, maybe it does. We're Protestant. We don't, we don't believe in all that. Yeah. I don't know what I am, but I just know that he, he has uh, Jesus's cell phone and I don't, you know, so yeah, he's definitely need to have it before me. Uh, besides that, I mean, this UFC is good, but you know, there's two really good fights on the rest of them are good fights. Nothing to knock your hair back. But then after this, it's gangbusters. Like UFC's dropping pay-per-view, yeah. pay-per-view, pay-per-view. I can't wait for it. This late summer, fall, even into the winter, I mean, the rest the rest of 2023 is going to be bananas. Do Absolutely you, bananas. Do you think we get um, Jones versus Stipe? I think we get Jones versus somebody. I don't, I'm not feeling, uh, I, again, I always, I always had to hesitate to say this because people are like, oh, maybe she knows something. I don't know anything. But... Um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like for a second there, people started being like, "Oh, Pavlovich is great. Pavlovich is great," you know, which to me always indicates that maybe there's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, rumblings. Well, I think the rumor started. I'll take credit for. Well, Chael Sonnen should take credit for. Oh, this. so that was you. It was me and Chael, but it was Chael breaking the news, and you know, you know, Chael's boys with everybody in the UFC. So yeah. he was like, "The the Stipe fight's not getting done. It's gonna be Pavlovich in August," and I was like, "What?" Wow. And so he broke that news on here, but then shortly after that, I get a text from him and a guy very close to John going, no, 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 Stipe actually signed the, the, the deal. It's happening. Oh, okay. So I, I think Stipe and John is going to happen in November, Madison Square Garden. Well, I love that. We'll see. Love that. We'll see. I think I'm more confident in Stipe and John fighting than Connor and Chandler, I gotta be honest. This really? year. This year. I'm not. I'm not. Mm. I'm not. What we should make a little little friendly wager on it. We should. I think we get both. I'm just I think I mean John has to fight. Steve has to fight. I think there's yeah. something went into it too with Steve's contract. I think he only had one fight on his contract. He's waiting to see what happened with the Francis stuff. 
He could have went to over to PFL. Yeah. I think there's a lot going on there. Do you think John, if John beats Stipe, do you think he retires? Yeah, that's a good question. Yes. What else yeah. is he going to do? Hang yeah. around for the winner of Almeida and Curtis Blades? Yeah. Like, you, you like you, what's Pavlich? Like, let's say he waits for Pavlich, which sells, I don't know, 100,000 pay per views. And the guy's. Well, and Pavlich terrifying. is dangerous. And he has no brand value. Terrifying. He, he, you know right? what he is? He's the Jokic of the UFC. Yeah. He's, he's probably the best heavyweight, not named John Jones. Hits like a Mack truck, not an ounce of fat on him. This Russian destroyer. Americans aren't familiar with him. He's like Jokic. I don't know if you watch basketball. My Denver Nuggets mm -hmm. playing tonight. But he's like Jokic. He's the MVP of the league. He's the best player. He's tough to market. Tough to market. But he's so damn good. That's like Pavlich. It's like this guy is a nightmare, man. Yeah. And for John, he's like, why? What do I have to prove? Exactly. That'd be a exactly. bummer if he retires. Because let's say you get Jones retires after that. And then let's say, heaven forbid, Connor loses. Connor? He retires. Yeah. I, I, I'm, they're going to force me to retire. Who, what am I going to cover? <laughs> Who are we going to cover? You know, what I'm I know what we're going to do. We're going to have to start a cooking show or something. Yeah, yeah, for reals. You got to hope Sugar Sean comes along and he's the next Connor with the rainbow hair. For sure. I don't know. For sure. But I'm excited. I appreciate you doing this. Really do. I, Always. Last thing, last thing, because I don't get to, yeah. to verbally uh, spar with anybody. It's just me by myself ranting the camera. So I feel like I have the best ideas. What would you do to change MMA judging? Clearly a problem. Clearly yeah. we have a problem. And people just go, you can't leave in the hands of the judges. That doesn't work for me. Yes. All these people are good. Like mm -hmm. People don't realize that when you say you, just, you can't leave in the hands of the judges, you don't understand like how good Volkanovsky and Makachev are. You have, at that level, the, the top... I'll say top 50 in some weight classes. They're so damn good. It's You can't say that. Those guys are so damn tough to get out of there. So we have to fix the judging. But mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what, what you do. Well, there's two things. There's an immediate, a, a more immediate solution, and there's a long-term solution. The long-term solution is to, to continue to tweak and perfect the criteria because I do think that there are some things about the criteria that could be made better, especially if you got more fighters involved with writing them. But that is a really tough thing to change because you got 50 different cats going 50 different directions with all sorts of different, you know, we don't want to do it. We don't, we, it's really tough to get 50 different commissions to move at once. Even it's hard to get the top five to all be on the same page about stuff. So say we, sh we shelf that. I think that's the that best idea though. I hate to interrupt you. That's the best idea because the curriculum that they have to judge off of is all messed yeah. up. So just starting there, the way they judge fights is an issue, but carry on. Yeah. And, but here's, here's the real thing. Anytime, take MMA out of it. Anytime you want to get more accurate results mathematically, you have to make the numbers bigger. If you're talking about averages, if you're talking about means, medians, I mean, we've all taken, I'm guessing we've all taken some amount of basic statistics. The, not, the sample size has to be bigger. Correct. So imagine yeah. if you go from three judges to five judges. Imagine mm -hmm. if you go from five judges to seven judges. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you've got, you know, five judges on site and another seven judges in a quiet booth offsite somewhere. Now, I understand as you get bigger and bigger, cost, yada, yada, yada. This is what I said. The, but like more judges and then put, more put judges the, but and you've been cage side it's yeah. impossible to see what's kind of going on in the grand scheme of things i don't care who you are even for me a trained so eye 
been a million gyms, been a million fights. It's it's like, ah, what's going on there? It's And then I go score it. Now, yeah. if they had the same access that we have on TV and they're in a remote location in Vegas somewhere, no, they're, they're not swayed by the audience. They're not swayed by the commentating. They're watching in silence on their own mm-hmm. in their own room, dark room, you know, and you give them food, but whatever, and water. <laughs> like dark room. Yeah, dark no room. food. We no hit water. Them. We hit no them contact. if they get it wrong. We hit them. We waterboard them if they get it wrong. No, but that, to <laughs> they the. have electrodes strapped to their nipples. Yeah, hell yeah. They're naked. Wait, what? No. Yeah. But I do think that there has to be something to that. More judges and not just going based off the ringside judging. That's insane. Yeah. And here's the one thing that people often forget about. It's not just like everybody wants to say, oh, we got terrible judges. I just I'm sorry. Like, uh, that's a lazy thing to say. Agree. It really is. I'm not saying it doesn't exist at all. I do think there's been some poor judging that we can point to. But as a generality, I disagree with it. As a generality, I I just disagree with that. I think it's a lazy thing that we have a tendency to say. I think a lot of things that people forget about. So, for instance, one judge sits on the side of the octagon where the door is okay you're then talking about four turnbuckles they can't get up and walk around no now they have a screen which frankly most of the time when we've been like oh these judges are looking at their phones they're not looking at their phones they're looking at their monitors because they can't see what's happening as someone who calls these fights sometimes i don't say things because i'm like i'm not really sure what's happening right now because i don't that my angle both in my reality view as well as what's being shown to me on the camera is not enough for me to understand if there's a submission happening or not now imagine if you had to say something because that's exactly. your job like the judges where they have to score it you have to say something people are like laura's way off man what she that's not a, and you're like i can't you see cannot it. judge what you cannot see that's how they're taught like if you don't see it mm. you can't assume that something is there so there's all these little things that I think the general public doesn't always take into consideration. But to me, the biggest, easiest solution is more judges. You make Agreed. the numbers bigger, then you make the results more accurate. That's just math. That's it's, it's just factual. Imagine a world where one of those votes, one of those judges was actually a compilation of trained maybe media professionals like you have to pass a test on the criteria you can't just be like i'm sorry but the can the fan base cannot vote because that becomes a popularity contest no like, you can't do that the, it sounds cool but nba it does have the all-star game yao ming was like the number one player because of the chinese every year can't you can't you can't do that you have to have relatively unbiased people who are educated in the criteria but maybe you've got 50 media members and you collect all of their votes into one vote and that becomes one of the judges I mean, I there's that. a number of ways to make the numbers much, much bigger. Therefore, you got you take out the outliers, the bad decision whether one way, the bad decision this way, in every single round, and you end up with more accurate results. It's just that's that's how math works. I'm, I'm with you. And to piggyback yeah. on the idea, let's say let's say you want you know you want to leave it as three judges, but those aren't three individual people. So for the first judge, that's the media. That's the fifty media members. The second is all former. Retire and for, and retired fighters, fifty mm-hmm. fighters that know what the hell's going on that fought at the highest level. Then the third one can be whatever you decide you want to make it. But again, you get a bigger sample size of people that know what, have an idea what the hell's going on, and they're not from the boxing world. Yeah, hopefully it's, you do it. I will. Yeah, I mean, I think more and more. Um, I'm trying to remember. I had this written down someplace. The whole boxing judge thing that is changing. Um, predominantly, they're not boxing judges anymore. 
what that's been something that has that has shifted over time as more and more people have actually come up as MMA informed individuals who actually came into judging simply to judge MMA. There still oh, is good. a the scorecards are back to differ, but yeah, yeah. Well, there's still a contingency of boxing judges, but when you sit down and you ask these, you know, you ask these guys, okay, name name the judges who came into MMA judging from boxing, and they'll tell you. And there's about I'm going to say the number wrong, so I almost don't want to say it, but it's not as many as you would think. Yeah, it's I'll a low number. Yeah that's, yeah, that's good. Step, step in the right direction. I think yeah. the only time there's a change is when it affects the UFC's bottom line. The yeah. fighter's bottom line, oh, it's not sure. going to change. It has to affect the UFC. Sure. It has to get so bad where it affects the UFC's bottom line. Where some, you know, say Connor, not now, but in his heyday, was going to decision. They kept giving it to the other guy. And the UFC's like, what are we doing here, man? This guy clearly yeah. won. He's the face of the freaking UFC. That would make a change because they'd have to. Like, we can't have this happening. In boxing, they obviously have a huge issue because they want to keep the guy the face of boxing. So they score the, the judges his way, which is a whole another you know, yeah. corrupt system. But the other biggest, easiest thing to do is, is and I don't like the term accountability because then again, it, it has this connotation of like, you guys are screwing up and we want to punish you for it. I just want transparency. Me too. Like, after a night like Albazi versus Kaikara France, and it doesn't even have to be that specific judge. Like, I understand that not everybody feels comfortable being put on a spotlight and grilled by the media or whoever, but have a representative, just like the NBA does, a referee's representative a that idea. will come out and say, hey, here, I had a discussion with these judges. This is exactly why it was judges' way. You could even fucking bring clips up, like, see this? This is what this is. Like, I remember one time, sorry, I'm making this insanely long, Brendan. You can cut me off no, anytime. But Keep going. I'm very passionate about judging. Um, the uh, the Sean O'Malley versus Piotr Jan fight was a super close one. Very close. And I ended up talking uh, to two of those judges who scored it in a way that a lot of people here felt like was inaccurate. They scored it for Sean. And honestly, so much of it came down to, I think it was the first round. There's a takedown where Sean or where Piotr gets him, elevates him, but Sean posts and then he gets the takedown. So typically when you're scoring takedowns, they don't matter at all unless there is elevation, amplitude and impact. Mm -hmm. He got the elevation, but he did not have impactful impact because of the way Sean posted. So it wasn't Would there have to be control too, right? Like it's the same yeah. thing with the Henry Sudo uh, DJ fight. Like that's takedowns. Like it's not in wrestling. Even in wrestling, where the that the takedown originated from, that is not a that they would not count that as a takedown. That's what DC yeah. had to come out and say. You know, DC's Mr. Wrestling was on Olympic team, and he's like, hold. Yeah, I think it was him and Dominic Cruz were like arguing over it, and DC was like, hold up. In our sport of wrestling, dude, which he teaches, you know, he teaches camps, Olympian, Oklahoma State national champion. He's like, that would not even count in our sport, let alone mm. the UFC, man. In mixed martial arts so i think the definition of a takedown they're getting more educated on it i can't believe you talked to one i don't think i don't know what they look like but i think yeah. i just assume like these warlocks like oh, but i do think um they're both they're both brown belts oh really yeah that's the other thing like i again i think i'd like it if they're black belts but that's fine <laughs> right <laughs> well they're, they're on their way you know they're two striped white way. belts man they know what the hell's going on <laughs> oh really no but it does help they're at least brown belts but i think you know, there should be some accountability, whether it's a representative, like you said, that's a great idea if they're scared to talk in front of a camera. Also, mm -hmm. don't be a judge if you can't talk about it. But then 
I think you could also do the way they do like those drug bust videos where they have like the gang member and they like blur out his face and then he's like, I scored it for Peter Yawn, you know? So we don't know what they look like. Cross references. It'd be online, sick. But yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you're saying. Just spitballing ideas here. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. Those are those are all really, really But solid the accountability ideas. thing should be something because that, I guarantee they would that could be done tomorrow. That oh, I know. Like and it doesn't cost anything. And it would it would build so much trust. Like again, this the the perceptions that we all have are because we don't really know. And maybe they're right, but maybe they're not right. And the we just don't know. I I, I interviewed a an NBA referee because I was curious to see how they handled things. They have a system for every single fuck up ever over for there. Sure. And they even tweet about it. Like the the NBA has a Twitter uh, handle for their NBA officials. I love and that. When they mess up a call, they literally tweet out like, you know, in this, this in this game, why. this call was made and that yes. was a bad call. And here's what we're doing about it. And this ref is being, you know, benched for a couple games or we don't feel like any sort of um, repercussions are necessary, but it was, a, you know, wasn't a good call. Like they just say it. But and again, I think that for the fans, like, OK, at least they're explaining it. I don't agree with it, but that's how they got there. Good enough. The yeah. transparency is the biggest issue, I think, in MMA judging because it's just it's their way or the highway. So then yeah. that's when you get all these conspiracies and all this stuff. It makes it worse. Where if they just had, to your point, a representative, you don't want to single them out. They have their own accounts because they, they get more hate than I do. They get yeah. annihilated, annihilated. Yeah. So we don't want that for them. And they're chasing after their family or whatever. But again, if you just had like MMA, you know, refing, Inc. or whatever, and they have their own platform, and they mm -hmm. would discuss why they came to that conclusion. The transparency would help so many people out. It would help educate people on the criteria too. You know, there's there's still a lot of people that feel like control time or you know uh, you know octagon control is a part of what makes a round score a certain way, and it's just not. Yeah, I mean, Don McCruz on Calbat's fight campaign, which we need to get you on, but Don McCruz on Calbat's fight campaign, he was saying, oh, I'd love that. Yeah. yeah, it'd be so much fun. But Don was on there and he was saying, he goes, I sat in and they, they educated me on what they're judging. He goes, damage is number one. Yeah. He's like, people forget, like, a damage is number one, man. And people yeah. don't take that in consideration. Yeah. And one last point, too, that I that blew my mind because I sat I was in the same class that he took actually sat next to him. It was really funny because he was so annoyed the whole time. I bet. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. did not want to be. Um, the thing the thing that blew my mind, I had no idea. I'd never heard before, not to do with judging, but sort of interrelated the statistics, the statistics that the UFC puts up for significant strikes. Every single strike at distance is considered significant it oh, could be the silly. lightest jab that's the lightest stupid. you know distance yeah, finding jab stupid. ever it's significant i don't know why but for whatever reason that is how they've defined it so again when you look at it i need to watch the mirabazi kaikar france fight again because i think that that might have played a really big role because it, it makes no sense to me that we count a, a distance finding jab as significant but the judges are specifically no no we only judge on damage like those Agreed. two those are polar opposite things. Agree. So we're showing the audience a number that says there were X number of significant strikes. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, significant means that they did damage. Well, yep. absolutely not. Yeah, it's 100% different. not. Yeah, I'd, I'd see the Kaikira France decision and then even the Sean O'Malley over Peter Yan decision. Those I don't 
I really don't have any questions. I would like if they came out and told me how they scored it, but those yeah. are so close. I'm like, I, close. I can come to conclusion yeah. how they got there. No issues. It's yep. like when you get the GSP, Johnny Hendricks, or um, yeah. the Patty Pimlet fight, right? Gordon. Those are like, what the hell's going on there? Yeah. When they're super close and nobody got robbed, yeah, yeah it's tough. Um, maybe yeah, you guys, I, I get it. I flipped out about the, even though the right person won, Corey Sanhagen versus Cheeto Vera, the fact that a judge gave Cheeto Vera that fight was ludicrous. Ludicrous. There's the, but and there's that background judge to that. There's background had to ju that. That judge had judged three fights. Three fights at that level before be put, being put in a main event in Kansas City. Well, you ready like, for this? That's so, the stuff that should not happen. Get ready for this. This definitely should happen. So Corey Sanhagen, good buddy of mine, I've known Corey since he was 15. Came, we're from the same hometown, known him forever. He comes on food truck uh, right after that. Yeah. And, I, and uh, he goes, you want to hear something about that judge? And he said, I, I think I'm the ultimate fighter uh, um, fighter in the kid. He goes, that judge, because uh, Corey does a lot of uh, coaching and cornering in Denver. And they were in, uh, I think, like uh, Colorado Springs. And one of his fighters uh, was fighting. And this judge just screwed his fighter over. So Corey goes up to him after the fight. In, in, you know, in the hall and they get into it bad, oh. bad, 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 bad. And so that would equal that. Cause when Corey goes, I got home and I'm looking at scoring and like, what the hell? And then he's like, hold up. How do I know that guy he looks up? He's like, oh, that's the guy. And he was like, it was bad. Yeah. Like, I mean, he was that's like, the there's no thing filter that altercation, but verbal shouting. And like, he was calling me like cuss words. And he was like, it was bad. There are all there are all sorts of rules about conflicts of interest, which is why I will probably never judge in Missouri because I know too many people here. I'm too connected to gyms here. Like conflicts of interest are a real important rule that people need to follow. And so never mind the fact that he'd only judge three fights. He clearly should not have been judging that fight. So thank God Corey won. Last last thing on ju on judging, especially refereeing yeah. in the NBA, this just came out. It was this NBA referee. He grew up in Boston. His family's the biggest Boston Celtics fans. They looked into his data because he got busted with a burner account because uh, when people would roast like the calls, they found out there's this one account like argue, like sticking up for him. So they look into it. It's him, clearly dumbass. But they looked yeah. more into it, and he would do the NBA finals and the NBA uh, playoffs and all the Celtic games. When he's the ref for the Celtics, they're 22-2. and two. So they found out like and he grew up, he can't help it. He grew up in Boston. His yeah. family lives, breathes Boston Celtics. And there's, <laughs> there's this funny video where they, they, they like the guy makes a three to win the game to beat the Celtics. And he goes, Oh, like he's pissed. <laughs> like during the game, people are like, come hey, on, Mike. Dude. what are you doing? bro? Oh, he's all shit. Like, Hey, what are you doing? Yeah. So it just goes to show you like, like I could never be a ref. I have too many friends. No, I'm super biased. I say that with all my picks. Don't listen yeah. to me. If the guy yeah. hung out with the guy for a night, had some drinks, Same. that's my guy. Same. Don't listen to me on picks. People are like, oh, you're so, yeah. you're so off. Yeah, yeah, I pick all the guys. I know. Home. Every time. Yeah. Every time. 100%. Unless you're Why Charles Oliver. But I've never met him. But if I did, I'd probably pick him more. <laughs> well, you're the best. Are you, uh, are you working USC uh, 289? I am, but I'll be, I'll be on the ESPN desk in Bristol. So we're doing the, the post-fight. Uh, show and the pre-show and, and UFC Live are in Bristol, Connecticut. So that's where I will be with Anthony Smith. Oh, I love Anthony. Tell him I said yeah, what's I up. Too. And then uh, any news on uh, the next time you're doing the straight up commentating? Yeah, July. Is it first or second? Whatever Saturday that is. The very first Saturday in July, I've got that card next and then a few more on the horizon. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Crushing it. Superstar. Thank you. You're the best. Appreciate you. Thank Thanks, you so Brennan. much.